Namaste. Namaste. And welcome to our continuing series, Savitri is the Message. As always, with our beloved Alokbhai. Namaste. We are continuing with this theme in Savitri of the Message. And I will read page six. Page six. And Savitri too awoke among these tribes that hastened to join the brilliant summoner's chant and, lured by the beauty of the apparent ways, acclaimed their portion of ephemeral joy, akin to the eternity whence she came, no part she took in this small happiness. A mighty stranger in the human field, the embodied guest within made no response. The call that wakes the leap of human mind, its checkered eager motion of pursuit, its fluttering hued illusion of desire, visited her heart like a sweet alien note. Time's message of brief light was not for her. So beautiful and full of deepest, profoundest, not just meaning but inspiration, showing us the way. So the way is uh, we make a choice either for the fluttering huge illusion of desire interspersed occasionally with little light here and there which shines momentarily lights that shine in the night <laughs> so, mm. which we call light or else we seek that light which never dies, never fades which night cannot cover so this is the way that Savitri has shown so one of the things that Sri reminds us, particularly in essays on the Gita, that uh, the divine, when he takes a human body, one of the things he does is shows us by example the path to be followed, God's own example. So here in Savitri, we see all the three, the word, three ways of education, I should in the brings the word, and the word with the utmost power packed in it, the influence that emanates from the very atmosphere of Savitri. Mothers made that observation, you know, just to be in its atmosphere. And the third is by example, because it's the story of the Divine Mother and the story of Satyavan and the story of Ashapati, all the three combined together. Satyavan is the Lord become human and He shows us the way. Savitri is the Divine Mother become human. And Ashapati, of course, is the divine representative in man who is showing us the way. So here, those who want to follow really this path which leads us upward towards great ascension have to at some point make a decisive choice. And that choice is that this is okay, life has been so far like this, but now time's message of brief light was not for us. And this is what we see, one of the biggest challenges uh, that we face in if I may say so, understanding Shurbindo and the resistance to Shurbindo, which is also there. 
we want um, a reiteration of our old stock values so <laughs> so when shurvindo speaks and he says that look here there is something very beautiful that is being prepared for you that is there for you the new world the new consciousness man extends his hands and heart and the body and mind and says yes we want it but when he says hold on there is a condition <laughs> leave behind the old to receive the new all the hands and hearts come back like a tortoise inside the shell <laughs> this very canto shows us yeah. on the very next page why savitri has come she has come to give her being her light everything to men to acclimatize us to that light to that know that acclimatizes a, a line mm. that was never in the old editions of savitri oh they found it only for this 93 edition but this is a very crucial uh, line absolutely you know often when people say that you know they want to come to pondicherry for good i tell them come and acclimatize first so they wonder they sometimes one feels acclimatization means the weather is hot i say no weather is tolerable <laughs> whether you can make friends with <laughs> but the pressure the yagyavedi it's a burning yagyavedi very you yes. know it looks like a you know it's covered with a most one of the ordinary marbles frankly speaking and uh, very unassuming space if you really look at it that way the ashram but it is like, as if a thousand tongue flames of sacrifice rising to the highest so it's a yagyavedi the moment you come you touch you start feeling that pressure of transformation and as always there is a resistance in the within the human being the resistance to the messages because while we want what savitri has come to give what the divine mother has come to give we do not want to fulfill the conditions we want uh, and you know we use the word something very interesting Ah, he must give us everything unconditionally. God must give us everything unconditionally. Well, He does unconditionally. Even somebody asks you, "Vinda, what if somebody doesn't do any labor? What what's going to you know?" He said, "Of course, if he cons- continues with his faith, he will arrive. But it'll be much much longer with lot of wastage of time. But when I read that, what an assurance! Ah, yes, he says, still he will arrive because the divine does give unconditionally." but if we fulfill the conditions then it's a joyous delightful journey faster smoother safer when this lady who was not so um gentle mm. passed away yes mridu we can see <laughs> mother saw sri arbindo symbol on her head and she said her too <laughs> and sri arbindo said all of them who are my yes. who are my regardless of their state of consciousness this is mentioned and i was so surprised yes me too. regardless of their state yes. of consciousness and the mother says what a power magnificent power so it is true that the divine gives himself unconditionally the conditions are not that you know without conditions i won't do anything the conditions are so that we can arrive not only faster swifter but smoothly it's like a joyous flight rather than a bumpy ride <laughs> still he is the pilot he will make us go you know and yet the past around our futures ankles clings yes. 
So this is what we read, uh, you know, she has come to give all this to man. And for that, what a preparation, what a tapasya. You know, often I say, people just read Shurabindu and the mother's life. Look at the tapasya they've engaged in. Just to look at their life is so, not just humbling is a big word in front of the divine. But it is so inspiring that, look, this is the kind of life which should be led. When I read about the way he, uh, you know, comes out of Cambridge, just leaves his ICS thing just like that. And then the Maharaja's service, just like that, because, you know, there is a call of the freedom movement. And then he leaves that movement where everybody is regarding him, hailing him Mm -hmm. as somebody so great, indispensable. He leaves it just like that for the sake of a still greater. And then even his personal realization, he renounces just like that to hasten the collective realization. It's so inspiring. And so similar to mother. Absolutely. She had to leave so many things. In fact, in certain ways, I, I mean, <laughs> I must say, Shravinda has used the word ten t- and the mother ten times more. So, yes. and she will not make a fuss about it. It's not, see, I have renounced. There is, you know, people renounce and there is so much great talk about renunciation because it's clothed in a certain dress which earns your name and fame. Look at the mother's renunciation. In 1920, she comes. 14 also she had to go back because of the conditions. And even then she says, had he said one word, yeah, I, would one have I would have stayed. Yes. What a love. No questions asked. Had he just said one word, stay, I would have stayed. Yeah. And then in 1920 when she comes, so I often, you know, just wonder. The Divine Mother lived in France, in Paris, good climate, all the, you know, brands are available in the branded store. She would move around with lacquered shoes and this is how she lived her life. And when she comes here in 1920, in this summer heat and everything, in fact, um, Nalida recounts uh, an incident which (coughs) she fell ill. It's there in the prayers, but she doesn't recount. Nalida recounts. When she went to Karaikal, you know, you'll read a prayer where she uh, suddenly becomes very indisposed and she speaks about, you know, how she invokes the grace. She lived in a dark, dingy, damp room which was infested with white ants and rats. And then she comes and she comes and lives here, faces all the struggles that one can imagine, falls almost sick to the verge of death because she would take all the troubles upon herself. And from 1920 to 1973, she doesn't go. Yeah. I mean, just look at the physical things. In Japan. It's unimaginable. She spends so much time. She loved Japan. She yes. said it is the country of beauty. It represents physical beauty in the world. And yet she tried so hard to, to inculcate something in these people. Yeah. And she says, she <laughs> says there is a sense of beauty, but the spiritual side is missing. Exactly. And she says that that you find only in India. What a perceptive, I mean, what a way she has understood and everything. And it's not easy, you know. See, it's one thing to live in the ashram with things provided. Because thanks to her, often I... 
um, I mean, we have to remember it that whatever we are receiving here, every bit is because of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. Otherwise, there is nothing our own. Sometimes people don't realize it that because of their name, everything that we are getting is because of that. And for herself, she had to look after, she says, <laughs> 900 people at one point of time. She says, I don't have anything. And then she knows that something will be arranged. And not only she has to look after people, she wants to realize the dreams of the eternal in time. There is Auroville, there are projects, all these things are there. How she would have, you know, lived day to day. And in those days, they had no money. Yes, they there had was, no money. There was no money. There was a postman who used to give her one rupee every month, faithfully. He made very, very little. And one day, that money, that one rupee didn't come, and mother sent out her secretaries to find yes. that man to see if he was all right. One rupee. That kind of love, consciousness, ah. I mean, it's unimaginable selling her own saris. This is a very touching story how Navjaji bought them and gave it yes. back to her. <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody would say why he bought them. Man rakhna hai Bhagwan ka. You know, you have to keep the word of the Lord. She has asked that they should be sold. So he says, all right, I'll buy it and give it back. <laughs> so time's message of brief light was not for her. It's not just like that that you rise to those heights. Often people think it's just sitting in meditation. No, it's a whole life. Their life is a life of constant sacrifice to the highest. This is how I see their life. And that's the reason why we are here. People often ask, think, they think it's the institution and all that. So at least I know about myself and I share. Who cares about, you know, just an outward thing? It is about, this is the place where they did their tapasya. Their touch, their stamp is there, their breath is here, that's what draws us, nothing else. (laughs) But look at man, this also we must read simultaneously so that we remember when resistances rise. Hard is it to persuade earth nature's change, mortality bears ill the eternal's touch. Why? Because the eternal simply says, shed off your mortality. Now, mortality means all the limits to which I hold on to. My, my, my. It says, leave it. There is something much greater. It fears the pure divine intolerance of that assault of ether and of fire. That purity, that call to the heights, that will for sacrifice. It murmurs at its sorrowless happiness. It trembles at its naked power of truth and the might and sweetness of its absolute voice. And these last four lines, there's, so what happens to the message? This what? Message is there, but what man does with the message? That is also important to remember. So while she has given us the message of transformation of man into the divine, Man is quick to change the divine into the human. A God, the God who has embodied love and grace becomes a God of justice who will punish us. That is the change we bring. And there, there Sri Aurobindo writes, It sullies with its mire heaven's messengers. Its thorns of fallen nature are the defense 
it turns against the severe hands of grace it meets the sense of god with death and pain so when the message is given we say oh this is so wonderful but are you sure are you do you have the mandate to give this message this is not rational how is it possible that's how we respond and react and finally a glory of lightnings traversing the earth scene their sun thoughts feeding darkened by ignorant minds that's how things turn into a religion darkened by ignorant mind the dogmas thus alone can it be not otherwise and shubhendra reminds us thus they have shut their tireless grace in a chapel they pray to the universal <laughs> with this touch of humor in a chapel they pray to the universal the golden book was wrapped in silken strings on a sanctified formula and bound god with rules and norms and thus they shut off his tireless grace so this is how we do the work betrayed their good to evil turned the cross their payment for the crown they gave only the leave behind a splendid name this what shubhendra has cautioned several times with regard to christianity he openly mentioned that you know it was built upon the tomb of the sacrifice of christ christ didn't come to bring christianity he came to liberate to teach us the way to freedom same thing with all the great founders krishna didn't come to say build temples in my name and dance like this he said mad bhava mad gata be full of me chaitanya became like that but it's not like garba dance it's something else tremendous what they gave become so full of the lord intoxicated with the lord and of course i need not mention what has been done to the message of mohammed and others so only the leave behind is planted name that's the problem he comes with the message and what happens to the message and that is why this time shubhendra wanted it to be full proof there is a uh, you know you, you know that over mind creation and shubhendra said we'll form a great religion oh mother came to him <laughs> yeah. and mother said to him i have the power of the word imagine that the power of the word and he said to mother you'll become a great great leader uh, revered in all the world but we don't want that the that whole world will prostrate yes and mother gave it up immediately immediately that is a renunciation one of the examples of renunciation and when uh, somebody asks the mother that is it a new religion she said there will be people who will try to make it so but they are foolish they don't realize that there is no way you can turn shurbindo into a new religion it's an impossibility because if you look at shurbindo's writings it's so many sided that's why the big yes. problem is anybody can take out anything and say this is applicable to me <laughs> and that is why mother cautioned with regard to message finally since we are at this that to read shurbindo and i would add the mother she says don't just read from here and there a, a line a portion in the world of whatsapp very important so she says read all that he has said on a subject 
then you will understand what the real message is what yes. is the drift of the whole thing and then when you look at their life how they dealt with different sadhaks that's why it's so important to read their life and i have so many stories when people say are but it's written there i said yes that was the problem writing is cling to truth but we don't know what is truth so people started telling mother why are you tolerating this man mother why are you taking this man and she said what can i do i only wrote them cling to truth but they all understand it to mean their truth <laughs> so everybody has their own truth <laughs> and mother says uh, study sheer bindo by subjects yes that's very very important yeah. all that he has written and i would say if one doesn't understand the mother she has brought yeah. the same thing in a very simple way yes then one gets the total total picture otherwise you know the message itself gets very easily distorted in the human mind by changing it into a rigid dogma one sided formulas which uh, often very often only confirm something within us and in that passage cling to truth she gives examples she says for instance and she says each of us may have our sibolits our you know points where weak spots so she says we justify it she says somebody is a vegetarian and he thinks all the non vegetarian people are in falsehood then she gives another example somebody is a friend and one says oh that person is in falsehood mm. but it is not like that it is a journey how beautifully she is they have opened the doors to fix things in a fixed way formatted yes. way what was it the, the uh, vegetarian society asked <laughs> asked her for a message and mother wrote eat, Nein, eat, eat meat before that before that she kept silent but <laughs> yes. two months she kept quiet now then uh, they said mother they are asking she said you know i have uh, i i had something very strong to write that's why i didn't write so she said what were, what were you having in mind to write she said i was Go, I was going to write, going to write. stop making fuss and start eating meat <laughs> then then she she said they might will be blown off <laughs> blasphemy <laughs> so she changed it and said instead of you know turning it all very nice message into dogma but again if you read this passage you may get an impression that the mother is saying eat meat that's not so when she was asked that what happens when you eat meat then she explains the story of the chicken when it goes into the egg, you know body and how the you know when you eat those things and how it created a disturbance so then you wonder mother what do you really mean <laughs> so what she means is grow into wideness and be supple keep to the one important thing needful the divine other things will fall in their place if you keep moving toward that they will drop yeah. off when they, it is necessary but if you turn them into a dogma or make nowadays the latest fad is organics sorry <laughs> vegans no organic yes vegan so i am a vegan now it's become a new in thing okay be a vegan there is nothing wrong with it but don't become a crusader and intolerant fellow that you know if you are not a vegan you are doing a sin crime against humanity like the jain sadhus who will you know <laughs> that's to pick up one principle and place it out of place and to turn it into an absolute is the door of falsehood yes. that's how shivanda explains in essays on the gita that what happened to gandhi you pick up non violence is all right you want to practice it any which way it's a wonderful thing for a particular person who feels drawn to it but you turn non violence into a national policy 
<laughs> you are in for disaster and even more so if you forcibly apply it see for yeah. india tibet 62 war partition all this because we tried to turn it into a national policy yes it is not true it's not consistent with truth or with human nature where is the gita all this we forget so to pick up any principle the principle here is pick up anything out of context turn it into an absolute law and rule you are doing a violence against truth and turning truth into falsehood now the opposite of vegan is the new paleo yes that means eat like when you were an animal <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's natural spontaneity be yourself so your is like so that's what every aspect divine truth can be distorted and that's why the insistence in yoga is don't turn it into a philosophical system take the journey pick up the pilgrim staff and walk the way and then you will see the revelation comes the understanding grows so we'll so, come to that other page yes which is uh, 56 a consciousness that knows not its own oh, wow. truth oh wonderful yes and then it goes yes, to 55, 55 page and onwards. then 56 yeah a consciousness that knows not its own truth a vagrant hunter of misleading dawns between the being's dark and luminous ends moves here in a half light that seems the whole just what we were reading you know yeah. sharing yeah an interregnum in reality cuts off the integral thought the total power it circles or stands in a vague interspace doubtful of its beginning and its close or runs upon a road that has no end far from the original dusk the final flame <laughs> in some huge void in conscience it lives like a thought persisting in a wide emptiness as if an unintelligible phrase suggested a million renderings to the mind it lends a purport to a random world a conjecture leaning upon doubtful proofs a message misunderstood a thought confused missing its aim is all that it can speak or a fragment of the universal word is exactly what we are discussing yeah. just <laughs> here he is speaking of because our consciousness is so limited therefore we look at an aspect of whatever we look at we use the word reality that's our understanding or misunderstanding of reality but it's an aspect a fragment and mostly it is the surface and we take it to be ultimate we take it to be final we draw you know just recently there was a very interesting mail that why god created is a monster torturer cruel who has created this world give suffering hmm. to everybody and pain Is it? Excuse me. He has come several times teaching us how to come out of this suffering and pain. <laughs> It's because we insist on our own way. He sacrifices himself in matter. Second is, it's not like you know this Semitic conception that God is up there. He has built the world, and from there he sends Look, some looks suffering. Looks down upon us. Looks down upon <laughs> us quite condescendingly. 
In fact, he becomes the humblest of the humble. Yes. The blade of grass, the atom yes. of matter, the clod, the stone, yes. everything is he. He becomes it and therefore he absorbs ultimately all the shocks, a billion shocks that come. So this idea that he has built a world and inflicts suffering. And then when we look behind the appearances of suffering, we see that it was the only grace in somebody's life because it helped open a door to someone who would remain asleep all his life. As mother says very beautiful, it's there in the Bible, it's much more easier to make a camel <laughs> pass through the eye of the needle. What is the analogy? I just love this analogy. Yes. It shows the proportion. Yes. It is easier to make a camel pass through the eye to a knee, through a needle than to make a rich man turn to God. <laughs> so he doesn't turn when everything is good. So then he says, okay, sorry, I have no choice but to prick that needle inside you. <laughs> <laughs> so one wakes up to pain. Then again he says, you are a torturer. He is waking us to light. So, uh, you know, but we look at appearances and we draw conclusions as he says, lending a purport, it lends a purport to a random world because it looks like random, series mm-hmm. of accidents. The, the thing that is missing is the fire which should try to really understand and look deep. If that fire is there, the world will disclose the unseen beloved behind everything. But that fire is missing and one of the things that Savitri does is it awakens us to that wonder and beauty. Oh, is it so? Night is not a beginning nor our end. We came to her from a supernal light. By light we live and to the light we go. Immediately you are fired that this is not this suffering. Evil is a passage. It is not the beginning nor the end of the road. So that message, how it tends to be misunderstood. And whose message? You remember that prayer of the mother Shakyamuni in Tokyo. Mm. In in Japan, I forget the place. Uh, was it Kyoto or Tokyo? Kyoto, I think. Uh, yes. yes, I'm not too sure. 1915. So she says that you know, uh, 17. Buddha comes to her. Sakyamuni. She signed off as Sakyamuni, and she has realized all this, and she is holding it back in her. So he comes uh, and says, "I have come to you because uh, just as you loved me once, I love you." Now, why, when was it that she loved Buddha once? One could be previous life, but she was an adept in Buddhist yoga before she came to Pondicherry. She those words. So, at some point of time, she was moved by that Buddha's idea of compassion and realized the truth of Buddha, which she explains so beautifully in many of her writings, even Dhammapada, classes on Dhammapada mm. was a tribute in a way and uh, that was a preparation for humanity. So, he comes and says, I see that you are hiding, that I see the diamond clothed in purple and you are hiding this light from showing to others, revealing to others because you are afraid it will be misunderstood. Then he says something very remarkable. He says, but when has man ever understood the divine? (laughs) When has man ever understood the divine? Rama comes, look at his message, Christ we spoke about, Krishna he comes. When has man ever understood the divine? And the gap can only be filled by yoga. That is what is the beauty of, you know, 
Sanatan Dharma that I say that it is not satisfied with belief and philosophy. It is yoga. Take the journey of yoga. Start with a metaphysical, okay, I mean we need a conception. But you can realize that and that's the only way to perfectly understand. One day Huta asked mother as she was quite difficult at times <laughs> and she says are you really the divine and mother said come back tomorrow Huta told me this personally she comes back and she said Narad from here up and she couldn't speak she could not speak <laughs> mother had given her a glimpse We have to see that the that we are in the divine, not just the divine in us. Yes, yes, yeah. that's an important truth to remember, and it's an important meditation. I have always heard, meditate the divine in your heart. This meditation, the world over, is known, but meditate you being inside the divine. And the world being inside the divine is a very, very powerful yes. meditation. Yes. It's difficult to practice, but once one gets the hang of it, it liberates endlessly. It's like it is the step towards all is the divine. Otherwise you discover inside you, by extension in everybody, God is in everyone. We have heard from the sages and saints, but at the end it still creates a division. God is within, the world is outside. Shut off into some illusory dream. So we draw from that. But the moment you say that world is in God, it's a movement within God, then you say there is hope. Yes. <laughs> and then comes the next step that all is divine, divine in the making, divine in the unmanifest, divine in the manifestation. Then comes the third step. Then all is wonderful. So... <laughs> Uta's story, she told me also another one, very interesting, that shows the ways of the divine and how we understand or misunderstand. How we misunderstand ourselves and how the divine understands us. Because we are at, you know, man misunderstanding, looks at a little fragment. So, once she says that she was in one of those awful moods and, you know, Mother gave her some flowers, white Oh, flowers. I remember that. You yes, remember? yes. She threw it off. Threw them on the floor. And said, I don't love you. Yeah. And walked away in a half. I am packing my bags and going. Yeah. Imagine, Divine Mother, before whom sages and saints will come and pour down. Great beings would come and yeah. crave for a moment's company. She is indulging beyond measure. And then somebody does this. So, as she was packing the bags, Vasudha Ben, she went running. He said, Mother has given this card for you. Card says the mother loves her so much and you know, he says, okay, doesn't really believe. Mother loves me. What is this? You know, I have heard all this. Then she says, you know, Mother said something the moment you left. That is silent. Would you not like to hear? Okay, you tell me what she said after yes, I le after yes, I left. Yes. She said, Mother said, she does not know how much she loves me. She does not know how much she loves me. 
This is the divine way, Savior's way of love. Where can one find even a little of this love? And if one has to embody it, one has to unite with the divine. There is no other way you can embody this love. Where you go straight behind appearances and somebody is throwing things at you. And you say you have love in your heart. Yes. It needs tremendous, uh, not just courage but vision to see that. You have shared some special experiences before that we have all been grateful for. I will share one now of mine. It was about seven or eight years ago and the Lord spoke to me and said only four words. Love all, no exceptions. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, people, since we are at it, um, ultimate message is love, Savitri is, you know, to feel love and oneness is to live. This love is not just ethereal. It is... It works in the most outward material field. You know, there is a line in the Gita, uh, Yoga Shema Vahamya, which is, you serve now a life insurance. <laughs> Those who are steadfast in yoga, I take care of them, even of their most outward needs, because they are, you know, engaged in yoga. So she created an ashram as such, you know, if you look at it most practically, people ask about joining the ashram. Well, it takes one of the things, many aspects. She said that, you know, people would always come and tell her that, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, they are so busy with the uh, small things of life, with their needs, that they have no time to really go within or seek the divine. So she used to think that, uh, you know, one day I will create such a world. And then she says, at least... um, by the time what is regarded normally as the middle of life. I did have the means to create a space like that where everything was provided for them. All that is necessary and I would say I have seen so many ashrams much more than what is necessary. (laughs) And (laughs) she said, okay, now you seek the divine. Then she says, just like the times message of brief light and, and you know, what man does with the message misunderstood. She says, but my experience has been that it doesn't work because when there is liberty, it is mistaken for licentiousness because everything is provided, man falls into inertia. And that's what happens. He says, it means humanity needs some more blows. She doesn't want it. She says, I don't like the method of blows. Kali's method, people would often ask her, say, no, I don't like it. It causes a lot of destruction. I don't like that method. And till the end, she would not use that method. And yet, she says, humanity is not ready. Yes. Shurabindo, so many of her, whenever she would meet Shurabindo in the subtle physical after 1950, 59 to be more specific, every time Shurabindo would say, World is not ready. Not ready. World is not ready. World is not ready. It still does not want the divine. It still does not want the divine. And what did the mother say? What what is meant needed for readiness? There is a whole passage, 1957. Is a talk after the supramental manifestation. She speaks about the spiritual evolution, and she speaks says that time presses. I would add. Shurvindo said that spiritual evolution is the hope. 
of man and she says and i would add time presses because you know uh, as we move further things will become more and more pressing upon us to change and then at the end she says all that i need from you is a sincere yes in your heart if it is there all the rest can be done she has made it so simple sincere yes yes mother i want it sincere not like okay i want it nice like somebody amal kiran said no came to ashram walked into the samadhi and said where are the t-shirts sold so by the <laughs> sometimes you have very funny incidents no yes <laughs> other day few days back i was entering i often you know <laughs> chuckle at many of these things so there was a couple quite lost asking the person at the gate as i was about mm. to enter said in hindi i'll repeat in english so hindi that flavor is there yeah kya hai samadhi khali samadhi aur kuch nahi what is there so the person at the gate said there is samadhi only samadhi nothing else <laughs> are this samadhi <laughs> and now now it's where is the gold dome <laughs> <laughs> this samadhi it, it will change your life for good life for good only samadhi so it was a associate samadhi the great saint samadhi is there you go do pranam maybe put a chadar and come out <laughs> Only Samadhi is there, nothing else. So they were still hesitating. I didn't wait to see what they will choose to enter or not to enter. <laughs> But it was a very funny moment. Many such things are so funny that people, you know, don't realize the value of what Sri Ramadhi the mother has done. Partly our fault. Those who are supposed to be the, you know, in some way, Paul bearers, because the mother has. a given some kind of task is that we we have painted him into a philosopher and a thinker of that kind with no grounding no as if you know heart is not important high philosophy discuss the levels of supermind and overmind you know people are lost <laughs> they don't understand can you tell the story about vashishta ganapati muni ah. standing outside the ashram gate yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, you would probably. Well, I only remember a little bit of it, but he he was. I he, remember his darshan with the mother. But yeah, okay, yeah, one, yeah. He was in rags, and they didn't let him in. And he just stood there. He stood there, wouldn't move. They said, "You can't go in. You can't go in." Mother says to one of her secretaries, "Who is that man who is calling my name constantly?" and it was him and she had him come up and for people who oh. many may be knowing but some may not know he is the person who first recognized in shri raman maharishi mm. that he is a siddh yogi yes. otherwise raman maharishi would just sit and be meditating for hours so he is the one who actually installed him as the great master so vasisht ganpati mundi then he had a meditation with the mother and the mother was very happy yes she said he is one yogi who could follow me right up to the brahman consciousness yes and she asked him to stay yes and he said mother i'm a wanderer <laughs> and then vasishth ganpati muni was asked what was your impression yeah he said divya murtulu divya murtulu divine beings have taken a human body he could realize that his divine was taken a human body yes. 
and that's why many things you know about this place something very interesting that uh, again since we are speaking of raman maharshi's ashram a lot of exchanges but not going into that once in front of me somebody asked uh, one of those yogis who are now now there yogis or practitioners of yoga and someone asked him that you know in pondicherry ashram there is so much freedom no dress code nothing boys girls they mix move around uh, isn't it like somewhat like putting ghee and f- fire together but mm. everywhere else we see some restriction or the other so he gave a answer which even we don't uh, understand sometimes yes, they are divine beings they have absolute power so therefore they can do this got a power therefore they can they know wherever you go however far they know how to all that is needed is we must not forget the goal not forget them and even otherwise they do bring back so many stories like of krishna bringing back so that is the power they embodied the love they embodied and even the knowledge they embodied is not a mental knowledge which we tend to put into a philosophical bracket and compare it with this ism and that ism the knowledge that shurvindo brings is a integral knowledge it doesn't cut the world and god leave aside all the Uh, you know textbooks uh, since you know it speaks about interregnum of reality consciousness this mm. knows not its own truth so there was once a discussion going on that you know is it like vishishta advaita somebody asked this question so is it excuse me vishishta advaita is the relation of soul with the divine so that is the only soul with that ultimate reality so you have these three branches advaita advaita and vishishta advaita and many other sub point but shurabindu speaks about not just soul with the divine but nature who is touched this nature even tantra which touched nature is ultimately to find the door of escape yes so this is what we read just now beautifully cuts off an interregnum in reality we see just a narrow bandwidth break small yeah. little and what happens cuts of the integral thought the total power that power which is everywhere dash mahavidyas of the upanishads everywhere in every corner of existence even in the darkest abyss it is there we don't see it the absolute power can afford to do that and shivinder says that you know the sign that god is supreme power is that he can afford to become the weakest of the weak because he is ultimate power he knows doesn't matter put me any any state i will eventually come out of that few more lines maybe then we can stop it circles or stands in a vague interspace doubtful of its beginning and its close this is our mind a consciousness that knows not its own truth is moving here or runs upon a road that has no end far from the original dusk the final flame in some huge void in conscience it lives the original dusk when the divine consciousness is descending towards creation and at one point it takes a leap into the inconscience that is the original dusk when it is merging into night and the original flame the home from where it has come towards which it will eventually travel because it's always connected with that the final flame in some huge void in conscience it lives like a thought persisting in a wide emptiness mechanical round of 
things, you know, like when we wake up in the morning with a mechanical thought. And who could even speak about this? Yes. Except, Except one Arvindo. who has, yeah, huh? linked the two. You know, in book two, he never allowed Amal to ask one question on any line. Yes. Nobody had been there before. Yes. Only he. As if an unintelligible phrase suggested a million renderings to the mind, it lends a purport to a random world, random to its in its appearance. Things that seem disconnected outside, but they are all connected through a chain which we cannot see. That interconnectedness of the world we miss. A conjecture leaning upon doubtful proofs. <laughs> God is proof. Well, all the proofs can be debated. God is not. All the proofs can be debated. Every evidence against God can be debated. And every evidence in favor of God, mind can debate it. So, <laughs> it's a game people play. So often, at least when you know you are going through that phase of mental evolution... I used to have fun like that. I used to, you pick up a thesis. See, it can be proved. Totally you can prove it. Same facts. Yes. You can prove it this way. You can prove it that way. That is the capacity of the mind. So a message misunderstood. The message is, creation is the message. Man is the message. What is man? Man's structure itself shows he is meant to become a bridge. The fact that he suddenly stands up erect is itself a message. His life is a message. The dream within him is the message. We don't need to read a book to know what is our purpose. We have a dream of perfection in life. We cannot sleep with rest until the dream is somewhere realized. Our life is a message. And since we don't understand, the divine comes to show us what that message is. A message misunderstood, a thought confused, missing its aim, is all that it can speak. At the end of the day, after leading a full life, you say, I don't know, maybe at the end it is a photo frame. <laughs> or a fragment of the universal world. Yes. Page 96. All came at once into his single view. Nothing escaped his vast intuitive sight. Nothing drew near he could not feel as kin. He was one spirit with that immensity. Images in a supernal consciousness, embodying the unborn who never dies, the structured visions of the cosmic self, alive with the touch of being's eternity, looked at him like form-bound spiritual thoughts figuring the movements of the ineffable. Aspects of being donned world outline, forms that open moving doors on things divine, became familiar to his hourly sight. The symbols of the spirit's reality, the living bodies of the bodiless, grew near to him, his daily associates. Read this again and... Yeah, and go to messages go to again, messages. yes.
नमस्ते